The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning and welcome to this Friday edition of the Source of Truth podcast. And I want to thank you for joining us throughout this week as we have taken time to study God's Word, uh, specifically walking through uh, the book of Psalms. We are just a few chapters away from finishing up the book of Psalms. And so next week, we'll give you an idea of where we plan to go from here and what we plan to do next in our study. Uh, But today, we're going to look at a few more verses in Psalm chapter 139. Psalm chapter 139. Yesterday we we referenced this passage speaking of the idea of his presence. And his presence was there. And uh, a lot of times, and his presence was in every point. We mentioned a lot of times when we talk about the the knowledge of God's, that knows everything, the fact that God knows everything about me, the fact that he's always there. Um, Sometimes we can view that if we have the wrong view of God, we can view that as a negative thing, you know, like we, you know, God's always watching us, waiting for us to mess up so that he can strike us down um, or bring great punishment on us. Uh, that is, it's not the premise of these thoughts. Now, while God does see everything we do, and while there are times if we choose to go and sin, the Bible says he chastens whom he loves, those, that's a, that's a bit of a, that's not in the same context as what we're looking at here. Uh, God watches in love, God watches in compassion, he takes the necessary steps because he is good to help us. And, but in this situation, we're seeing the great compassion. And we'll look, look a little bit about what we just talked about here in a second. But we're going to continue down. David, in, in a level of poetry, it's not really poetry, but a level of using figurative language and describing the extents of the fact that Jesus is always there, gives a few more descriptions of this same thinking and the same topic. So uh, we're going to go continue in verse number 7. So if you're following along in a tablet or a Bible or computer, uh, Psalm 139, verse number 7, David says this, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? And so he starts off with this premise, Lord, it, it, even if I try to, is, is it possible, even if I wanted to, to flee from your spirit, from your presence, from your spirit's working in my life, from your presence and everything I do, even if I wanted to? Now, Uh, He's not describing in the next few verses that he wants to. He's not stating that he wants to get out of the presence of God. He's simply stating, uh, even if I wanted to, I couldn't. And so he's using the thinking of even if somebody wanted to be out of the presence, out of the, out of God's presence and power, it's not possible. And so then he goes on and gives some descriptions as uh, to what he means by that. So verse eight: If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Now, there's an awful lot that I've read and I hear people talk about. Okay, if I get saved, I'm in heaven. If I, you know, go to hell and because I didn't get saved, I, I don't. I think personally, this really simplistically just talks about I can go as high as heaven. I can go as low as hell. God is still there. It's, I think it's simply stating that there is just no place I can go where you are not present, where God is not present, where God is not there. Because honestly, the, if we're talking about the idea of hell, hell is a place of eternal separation between us and God. If I go to my grave and I have not accepted Jesus as my Savior, I will end up in hell. And then when I end up in hell, that is a place of eternal separation from God. So there's no way this passage is talking about if I'm not saved, because God is not there. It's the one place he's chosen to just not be, even though he could be. He's not. Simply, he's talking here about the idea that there is just this far I go to two extremes is really what he's talking about. Verse 9, if I take the wings of the mornings and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, 
Even there shall thy, right, thy hand lead me and thy right hand hold me. So if I could fly and have the freedom to fly and get as far away as I want, or if I could get it, you know, like a, like a fish and go down to the deepest parts of the ocean. He's, again, he's talking about these places that, humanly speaking, offers ideas of freedom. You know, well, most of us, at that time especially, you couldn't jump into a plane and fly. So he's just talking about the openness and freedom of the skies and then the sea, places that humans can't go. He's really looking at this from a human standpoint. These places humans would never be able to find, but the divine nature of God is still present in these areas. And then he says, though, in those places in verse 10, your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold me. You will continue to guide me. You will continue to protect me. You will continue to hold me still, no matter how much I would if I tried to run. Verse, um, verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as a day, and the darkness as a light are both alike. Now, let me say this. I think there's two things I do want to point out here. Excuse me. One, obviously, is talking about the idea that even if I thought I could go to a place and completely shut all the lights out, then no one would find me. Again, using a human understanding of a way to hide. And in those days, again, there were not street lights, things of that nature. So when it was dark, it was dark. Uh, generally speaking, those type of days, you know, it was dark, you went to bed, it was light, you woke up. But, you know, there wasn't alarm clocks and things like that, the technology that we have today. But the premise, really, you can look at that, and it's true. I would throw in an application, though, that, you know, darkness has generally symbolized sin. The Bible says men love darkness better than lights because their deeds are evil. And obviously, that's later in the book of John. But that's what we're, you know, we can look at that principle. You can say that if you're looking, he's looking at this from a theoretical idea, but let's look at this from a truly practical perspective. If I think sometimes when we decide to go live in sin or decide to go the opposite of where God wants, don't get me wrong, we'll convince ourselves we're good and we'll say all the right spiritual things we need to say and thanks to God and praise God and God willing. We'll use all the right Christian lingo, but the fact is in our minds and our heart, we know we've gone the wrong direction and we know we're not following God. In our minds, we do these things. We literally think, you know what, God, don't see me. We kind of hope we can shroud ourselves in the darkness of sin. God still sees us. Now, here's the thing I want us to catch from this. Sometimes people see God sees us and he's ready again to strike us down. Well, I don't think God is ever ready to strike us down per se. Uh, I think that gives a very wrong view of God. I do see this. I do see that sometimes the Bible tells us in Hebrews, God chastens whom he loves. One of the greatest things you can do, the most loving things you can do for a family member when they're really wayward is to find a way to use discipline to bring them back. Again, if you do it appropriately. Same thing with the Lord. If you know, I'd rather him chasing me in a time of a bad decision or I've started down a direction that right now is it's just simply problematic, but it's not dangerous. Where he can stop me here instead of waiting until I have destroyed my life. I appreciate a God who's willing to stop me before total destruction. So I, that is still love. That is still grace. That is still his mercy in my life. Um, the other thing is, though, sometimes we are convinced in our sin that we have gone so far that God cannot accept us, God cannot love us, we, Satan or ourselves convince ourselves we're not saved, or all these different things go through our mind. Can I tell you, God is still there. In that case, God is still there with a desire for us to reconcile. Just if you confess your sins, First John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse us from all righteousness. It's simply plea, confess, forgive, confess and repent, forgiveness is there. 
So in these times of darkness, we feel like we're shrouded by darkness because of our own decisions. God is there. His grace is new. His mercy is everlasting. All of these things are new every day. It's not just a yesterday's grace was there. No, today's grace for today's battles, for today's failures, for today's struggles are still there. And that's what we look at. That's, that's, the, that's the joy that we hold on to. And so even in those times of darkness, I think that we, we still obviously can see God as he mentions there. Verse number 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's wombs. He even says, you possess my reins, you know who I am. The reins idea was a, an animal that was controlled by reins directed. So you still direct me. You still have in, you're still in control. You're still sovereign. You're still establishing the future of my life. And that is a powerful thing for us to remember, that even in the darkness, even in times that make no sense, even in times that we're absolutely outside control, God is still in control of the direction of my life. It's intriguing that the next thing deals with in this context because most people yank this out and they just look at and I've done this, just this one verse by itself, and I think it's right to do. Uh, it says in verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. So he talks about the idea, you protected me in my mother's room, but from that point on, you've created me just the way you are. So we talk about God's presence, we talk about God's power, we talk about God's unique desire in my life, and he knows me, and he loves me. And then he even comes to a point in this chapter where he talks about, even in the way I look and, my, and who I am, you created me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, that's a powerful truth to hold on to. Because a lot of times we look and say, if I were better at this, or, uh, we always compare. It's just the human nature to compare to someone else, compare to how they look, or compare to their talents, or compare to where they live, or compare to their life. And it's just easy for us. It's kind of a natural thing for us to do. But it's important for us not to allow ourselves to do that. It's important for us to make a point to make sure that we're not making that comparison, to make a point that we are living in light of the fact that God has made me the way I am with my height, with my looks, with my voice, with all the things I am. God has made me with my talents, my weaknesses, all those things God has made me that way. So we can see in this, and not only the way God made me, so God has designed me with love the way he wants. And then he's promised to guide me, to kind of go backwards on this, right? And then in all the circumstances of life come, God is never going to leave us. And then we go back to how much God loves in every aspect. When we view the presence of God as comforting, as gracious, as um, helping add courage, all those things, when we're willing to look at God's presence in that way, then we have an appropriate, healthy view of God. Generally, if you don't have a whole appropriate, healthy view of God, it's because you have things in your life that make it almost make it impossible for you to have that view. So I evaluate and challenge you to evaluate that. But whether you find yourself in the easy time of life, the darkest time of life, whether you find yourself battling with things that others don't know about, God is there, God loves you, and he desires to help you, guide you, and to reconcile if necessary. Well, I thank you for joining us this week as we've taken time to be in the Word of God and study some verses in the book of Psalms. It's been encouragement to me, always is. I hope it is to you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it inspires you to always know that God is doing something in your life. And I hope that you will rest in this and follow this and know that God loves you. He is there for you no matter what it is you find yourself in right now. Whether you're, whether you're in a great time of life or a bit of a battle or a serious dark time, keep your eyes on Jesus and wait and see how he will work in the end. Thanks again for joining us. We would invite you Sunday morning. Uh, we do have in-person services, 10 o'clock in the morning. There is no evening service this week, so just the morning service at 10 o'clock. Uh, if, uh, if you can't make it for some reason and locally or if you're watching from a different place and you don't have a church you go to, we invite you to join us online, 10 o'clock, and our Facebook page, YouTube channel, or bensalembaptist.org. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next time.